Hello and welcome to the Coffee Gals podcast, brought to you by the team behind the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast Café, présenté par l'équipe derrière le Café Fest Ottawa. My name is Mel. Et mon nom est Jen. Every few weeks, we'll be speaking with different people within the industry, so you can get to know more about your favorite local roasters and coffee shops. Let's get started. In today's episode of Coffee Gals, we're here with Sean and Christian from Brown Bag Coffee Roasters, located in Elmer, Quebec. Sean is the president of the roastery and a former tech professional who decided to forge a new path as an entrepreneur by founding Brown Bag in 2018 and pursuing a new coffee-fueled adventure. Christian is originally from South Africa and joined the team in 2020 as head of operations and roasting. Hi, Sean and Christian. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. Hi, good morning. Good morning. So uh, tell us a bit about yourselves and uh, Brown Bag. Let's, uh, let's maybe start with you, Sean. Um, so Mel mentioned that you worked in IT before starting your business. Can you tell us about what inspired you to switch over to coffee and uh, how things have grown since then? Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, so yeah, as Mel had mentioned, I spent my first uh, decade or so, or my previous decade or so in uh, the IT world. Uh, really specialized around um, business systems, continuity, and networking. So, uh, you know, very connected to coffee, not so much, but uh, I consumed a lot of coffee, I would say. So we, um, you know, about almost four years ago now, uh, I was given the opportunity uh, to, to leave that environment and pursue some other challenges. So uh, Leading up to that, my wife and I, Dana, had spent some time doing home roasting. So I was familiar with coffee roasting kind of as, a, as an opportunity. Uh, so I had some idea of how to import small quantities of beans. And I had a one pound fluid, or sorry, I had a one pound drum roaster at home. So we had been roasting for a number of years. And um, when I had the opportunity to leave the IT world, uh, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And, and I actually thought I was going to get back into IT in some capacity. And we were literally roasting coffee at home and, and Dana had asked me, uh, well, why don't you just do that for a living? And at, at that point, I didn't even know that that was really a job. I just thought coffee kind of came into places. Um, so that's really where coffee came from for me. So uh, it was really more of a passion. I, I really have no background in, in coffee per se, uh, besides the enjoyment and having some you know, few years of, of roasting experience from, from the home. So when I started to do some investigation on, on uh, coffee, uh, that's when my eyes were kind of opened up to the different technologies that were there and then specialty grade coffee versus sort of the, the consumer, or the, you know, the, the other stuff that you would kind of get at the supermarket, uh, traditionally speaking, uh, and then the different uh, varieties that were available. So I, I knew pretty quickly that I did want to focus uh, really on specialty grade coffee and, uh, and then the technology uh, just kind of as an IT guy I knew I wanted to kind of embrace technology as good as I could uh, to ensure that we were able to focus uh, on those single origin beans that we were bringing in. Yeah, that's cool. It seems as though from, you know, a few of these podcasts that we've been doing, a lot of people have just kind of, they fall into, like they, they fell into roasting coffee uh, and it always starts at home. Like it's always in someone's garage or someone's basement. Um, and it's cool. Like it, it really, it, it really shows that you can, just pick it up and, and learn as you go. And, uh, you know, there's the business side of things too, which is, uh, which is interesting. 
I think there's um, a lot of similarity in some ways between a, a home brewer for beer and yeah. a home coffee roaster. They're, they're kind of following the same path. And at some point you've figured out a recipe or an idea that maybe you can commercialize. So I, I think mm-hmm. that was that was sort of how we had, had stumbled across it. So yeah. It must have smelled delicious anyway, like always in your house. <laughs> yeah, my, my house smelled good. And, and fortunately, yeah. all of my neighbors were also coffee drinkers. So they, they weren't Perfect. too upset at me. But uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and what about you, Christian? Um, so how did you meet Sean? And uh, how did you acquire all this knowledge about uh, coffee roasting? Yeah, okay, so I'm from South Africa, born and raised. Um, and in South Africa, I was kind of also just doing, I did, I especially, my trade is landscaping, um, design, installation, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. And then there was a coffee shop that I used to visit really close to my house. I went there every day and the, the owners were super nice. And then long story short, I quit that job to basically start working at this coffee shop. Started off as a busboy and then with no real... I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to be or become or do really in industry. I just knew I wanted to work there and then slowly kind of just work my way up from busboy to barista and like the shop manager. Um, and it's a small roastery cafe, probably the size of this office that we're sitting in really tiny uh, with like a five kilogram roasting machine in the back. And so kind of learned through osmosis about roasting, but uh, mostly learned about coffee and, you know, kind of the roasting process through being a barista um so that was really fun and then i met a canadian girl in south africa moved to canada three years ago now i guess and in searching for a job back into the landscaping industry um one of my buddies um we we were in the same kind of industry and then he was like i I do home roasting as well so i had never roasted any coffee up until that point until we started playing around with like a 250 gram like genie cafe roaster with like an exhaust out the window and neighbors actually complaining about the smoke (laughs) (laughs) unlike Sean Um, so and then yeah kind of helped him with that and just realized that you know what like I'll I'll do the landscaping thing just to subsidize some income whilst I pursue a coffee career Um, and then helped um, found uh, Mojo so yeah I did that and in that process of starting up Mojo I met Sean um, we actually did toll roasting and did a few op- operations together and some projects. And then, um, yeah, come 2020, I started working with Sean and Sean taught me a lot in those times. And, uh, yeah, now I'm head of roasting and operations and learning a lot. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's a wild journey. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah from <laughs> small town, South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> to small town. To small town Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In Elmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's uh, that about sums it up. Awesome. How does the coffee industry change from, or how is it different from South Africa compared to in here in Canada? Um, honestly, I I can't really answer that in like certainty. Um, but as I was leaving South Africa, those f- maybe a year or so before I left, uh, the coffee uh, craft kind of artisanal roastery thing really really blew up um if you look at places like rosetta roastery um truth coffee roasters um there's one in johannesburg which is doing extremely well called father so it definitely blew up and i think because we were an african country there was a lot of we could get we kind of knew where the the coffees were coming from in a sense you know the climate was kind of the same not only like 
physically like weather wise but political and economical so yeah the the speciality coffee industry in south africa is really booming but in terms of differences i i wouldn't say there's any that's extremely on par everybody's trying to do the same thing and i like i said i'm slightly out of touch but i try and keep um keep in the loop as much as i can that's good yeah um so brown bag uses what's called fluid bed roasting technology can you explain what that is a little bit more and describe the differences between this process and something a little bit more traditional? It's, uh, it's fairly similar, but quite different in a lot of aspects. Um, you could also use roasting machines that, are, that operate on electricity or gas or propane. Um, but the main concept is basically you've got your, your heat source that's then blowing hot air through the roasting chamber. So you're doing a lot of, um, it kind of like acts as like a little volcano, basically with the hot air blowing through the beans, as opposed to a drum roaster where it's an enclosed container um, making an oven, basically. This is just like using hot air to blow through the green beans. So I guess the biggest difference would be same kind of thing. You can, you can, you can plug in your artists and your roast profiles to kind of do data collection. Um, the machines are in, of a newer technology, so there's a lot still being done in the industry to better and streamline the process. But for the most part, it's extremely well done, very, very streamlined. Um, I think the biggest difference and the, one of the reasons why Sean also gravitated towards fluid bed technology is the fact that it's a, a cleaner roast. And when I say that, I don't only mean in the final cup, um, the actual drum, not the drum walls, but the the roasting chamber after every roast all the debris like the chaff and the oils and everything can kind of cake and bake onto the inside of the the roasting chamber which then imparts certain flavor profiles that drum roasters really want but in the fluid bed industry it's really nice because we can completely detach our roasting chamber and wash and clean all those all those um that debris off um that's kind of the the one thing that we boast in the fluid bed industry is the fact that the chamber, the roasting chamber is always clean. We clean it every week um, and it allows us to dial in the flavor profile of the specific coffee a little bit more than a drum roasting machine could. Just to put a bit more onto that, like my, my decision to move towards fluid bed uh, was when I started to look at building the roastery, I really knew at that point I wanted to focus on high quality single origin coffees. So I wanted to really develop the flavor profiles from each of those countries and really allow people to have that taste of a country um, as opposed to blends. Now we do of course do blends, but our first and foremost uh, goal was to impress upon our customer base uh, what was available from each specific country. Um, and as Christian had mentioned that the benefit of fluid bed uh, is uh, we can clean out the roast chamber between every type of coffee that we're roasting. So those uh, coffee oils that come out naturally through roasting, and typically in a drum roaster will stick and build up and, and create a layer. Uh, we're removing that. So, so uh, that, that clean flavor really comes through on, on, um, on a fluid bed roaster. Uh, there, there's a bunch of other advantages, but just to, just to say, you know, that was really something that, that really brought me forward on moving towards fluid bed over drum. And have you tried, uh, I'm sure you've tried like comparing the two, like doing AB testing, let's say between like, uh, a drum roaster versus fluid bed? It's not something you'll notice straight up, mm -hmm. um, but I guess just me roasting the coffee every day, I, I appreciate 
um, you know, trying our coffees versus roaster boxes and mm-hmm. what they do on the drum roasting machines versus the fluid bed machines. And I mean, it all stems obviously from the green beans as well, right? You know, mm-hmm. you start off with a high quality product and then you move out to a high quality cup. Yeah, and and speaking of uh, those uh, high high quality beans, so um, you know we see on your website that you offer a wide variety of um, origins and, and types of beans. Um, so how do you source your coffee? You know, I, I didn't talk much about sort of our background, but when I tried to think about how we were going to be different, I knew we wanted to be third wave, and I knew we wanted to focus on artisan style coffee roasting uh, with specialty grade coffee beans. But uh, I had seen that there was a bit of a gap, I think, in, in the specialty grade world where um, most specialty grade coffee roasters are really focused on uh, the third wave drinker. So people that are really only interested in that are really bought into the coffee industry, right? Um, coffee is, is arguably the second most uh, drank beverage in the world. Uh, specialty coffee only accounts for about 1% of that. So there's a large market that's kind of being missed from that. Um, my background or my family, I, I grew up in a blue collar work environment. Most of my family is military or mechanics. Um, so, uh, everybody drinks coffee, but most of them would be, uh, in some ways they, they wouldn't go to a third wave coffee roastery or a third wave cafe. And, uh, so I knew real early on that I wanted to try to target, uh, sort of the blue, uh, collar worker. Uh, to a degree, it's, but we're still doing third wave coffee. I just knew that there was an area there that we were missing a certain part of the demographic who could, who would love to have really good coffee, but in some ways they, they wouldn't naturally uh, gravitate towards it. So the idea behind Brown Bay Coffee and the brown bag that you see there is, uh, you know, that the, the type of people I, I was thinking about when we started the roastery was the people who were bringing a thermos of nabob or kirkland coffee to uh, work every day with a brown bag lunch i was like well what if we could help them to uh, enjoy better coffee um and then they still bring that thermos of coffee with them uh with their brown bag lunch so that's where the logo comes from or the idea just to kind of give you a background but to do that i knew we also had to be more approachable in price we couldn't do 320 grams for $32. It's just not the market that we were going to service. And there's people that do that really, really well. And, and I, I hope they continue to have great success in that. But I wanted to be able to bring people one pound of coffee for about 20 bucks. Um, and I still wanted to have especially great coffee that still had to be graded, you know, by the SCA standards, etc. And to do that, I knew I needed to work with a really good distribution market. Um, while I would love to be direct trade, direct trade typically means you need to be bringing in uh, container loads of coffee. And container loads of coffee when you're offering eight to 10 origins of coffee means I need to own a warehouse. And for me to own a warehouse means that I got to charge more per pound. So uh, our, our method is to really have uh, really good distrib- distributors. We work through four different distributors uh, across Canada to be able to help us source coffee. And through those four distributors, we have access to literally 500 coffees, right? It's just more than I would be able to think about myself. With these relationships, it allows me to be able to bring in monthly orders of coffee, you know, two, three, four pallets of coffee, and we're able to move through coffee more quickly. So instead of me sitting on, you know, last year's crop in a warehouse, uh, I'm able to actually get current crop season and move through it quicker. Um, so for me, I guess the, the roundabout answer to the, to your question is for me, uh, 
distribution network was critically important to be able to get coffee fresh, uh, allow us to keep a low amount on hand uh, and be able to lower our cost per, per pound. And what I mean by lowering our cost per pound is I don't have to pay large warehousing costs or have large facilities that's tied up into uh, paying somebody else's mortgage by renting off of them. Uh, I, can, I can focus on what we do best, which is roasting coffee and sourcing it uh, through, through the experts, really. And we try to work with some local ones as well. So uh, Francis at Cloud Forest Coffee, we source uh, at, through him, the Ecuador. So our Ecuador is, is direct trade through Francis. So we love having those uh, local relationships. You know, we, we want to work with as many other local uh, importers and, and roasters as possible. Like, you know, coffee is the second largest drink beverage in the world. Not everybody's our customer. So there's, in my opinion, uh, I'd love to have more relationships with local roasters uh, that we all share concepts and ideas and even buying power, um, you know, which uh, I was going to mention this a little bit later, but, you know, my, my, uh, a lot of my friends own microbreweries. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the microbrewery world and they're much different than the roasting world, at least yeah. as I've seen to date, microbreweries by and large work very uh, heavily together on sourcing, on equipment. If one, you know, one microbrewery wants to come out with a special concept beer, but they don't have enough bright tanks or whatever, they'll work with a friend to help them make that beer. In the roasting world, at least to date, there's very little collaboration. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would love to be a conduit for that to try to help that. So, you know, I'm working with a couple of smaller local roasters like myself, um, and I would love to kind of create that sort of atmosphere when we, we could all work much closer, like a microbrewery. At the end of the day, there's more people that drink coffee than there is beer. And if the beer world can do it, we can do it on the coffee world and not, and not be competitors, but be partners. So. That's amazing. I really like kind of how you're, you're championing that and moving that forward. I think we're huge fans of collaboration on just on our team as well. So it's, it's really awesome that you're helping to, to push that along for sure. So on your site, it looks like you also have some grinding and brewing equipment um so obviously coffee education is a huge part of of what you do so um is there a reason why uh why you find that so important uh for brown bag trying to make coffee accessible to everybody and trying to make coffee good coffee accessible to everybody is is really key it's really it's why we're all in this industry right um so in order to we can sell beans to people, right? Like, and they can make it at home, but we don't know what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong. Cause they might come back to us and say, Oh, this coffee was terrible, but we don't know what they were doing wrong. Like I can just show them one simple technique about even if it's preheating your mug or not using scalding boiling water, you know, it's going to make the world of difference. So I don't want to tell people what not to do with their coffee. If somebody comes in here and asks for, a pour over with like three sugars and milk that's okay you you have that um but so i just never want to say no to anybody but i'm just going to try and coax them into a way that they can brew better coffee and brew it well and have fun doing it without spending i guess the, the misconception is everybody is like i don't want to buy a pour over system because i don't have 45 minutes every morning but it doesn't take that long um so just trying to make people aware that like brewing good coffee is super fun. And if you're only having one cup a day, make it a great cup. Um, so, and again, just making it super accessible for everybody, making good coffee accessible, like, you know, approaching the third wave coffee, I guess, approaching the second wave coffee style drinkers with a third wave approach. 
whether that be through the speciality beans that we get or just through amazing brewing methods and techniques. So we have everything from like Kalita to the V60 Horios up to like, we just sold a ratio six recently. So anything from manual to automatic. But the example that I was coming up with was like one guy who was brewing coffee at home on his like, you know, kind of fairly cheapish espresso machine, but he wanted to move on to, to, to manual brewing. And then he came up and he's like, well, what's the difference between the Kalita wave and the, the, the V60? So I was like, well, why don't you come over tomorrow? I actually have time. And we did a side-by-side -side comparison. So we focused a lot on kitting our space out with really good reverse osmosis and like a really nice brew bar. Um, so that we can have those comparisons and that education. So, so that we don't just have the product, but we have the means to teach people how to use the product. Um, and by proxy, then appreciation of the, the beans that, you know, so much care has been taken into everything from planting the seed to caring for the tree and the shrubs and then harvesting and shipping and then processing and bringing back. So I don't want to disgrace any aspect of that process by um, somebody not enjoying that cup of coffee and throwing it down the drain. Like I said, yeah, if you're gonna have one cup, one cup a day, at least make it a great one. So that's kind of the, the reason we really focus on having all this equipment, grinders, manual brewers, automatic brewers. Um, and we're actually expanding, Sean and I having more conversations about expanding our arsenal of, of brewing kit, looking at bringing in some espresso machines for the, for the shelves. But just to follow up on what Christian said, when um, when I first built the, the company, I, you know, you don't know a lot of everything when you start a company, you have a concept, but you don't really know where that's going to take you. Um, and very quickly, I had learned that that brewing technique was something that many people were failing at. Um, when uh, in January of this year, we had the opportunity to move into our new facility so that we've uh, since moved from our first facility into this facility, which is about four times the size of our one and uh and then of course we we fired everything and we were good to go by march 1st you know just as covid started which was glorious um <laughs> but that that allowed us to really have the facility here to do everything we needed to do i was already working with krishna at that point doing a bit of toll roasting and some ideas and concepts uh but the opportunity to bring christian on full-time presented itself and at that point i knew he was going to be the right person for me uh with his background as a barista and his desire to, to really push our coffee envelope forward. So I understood the concept that I was going for, trying to really target the blue collar worker, or people who maybe want to enjoy great coffee, but are, are maybe uh, afraid of making that jump. Christian is developing a, a home barista BBCR certificate program. Oh, cool. Where there's gonna be online training and he's gonna be doing like, you know, everything from pour over to AeroPress and everything in between. As Christian had mentioned, we're in the midst of uh, bring our, going to our next step in this uh, experiment, I guess. And this, this office that Christian and I are sitting in right now in our facility is actually going to be turned into a showcase room uh, for espresso and some manual brew methods. So uh, we're, we're in the final steps of getting that completed. And then this room will get tore out and, and rebuilt uh, with that in mind. But all of this is to... Um, is to make sure that our customers are, are getting the absolute best they can out of the, the coffee that we're creating. Uh, and we're trying everything from, you know, $8 V60s, super approachable, 
up to you know three thousand dollar espresso machines we want to be uh, approachable for everybody kind of in between depending on how crazy they want to get in coffee and I, th- I guess that's why you, uh, you know, on your website, you kind of encourage people to come by and go check out your, your facilities so that, you know, they, they get to know more and, and get to know how to make better coffee at home. I have a lot of friends in, in the microbrewery community, and I really wanted to take everything that they've done so well and incorporate it into coffee. So if you come out to our facility, you'll see we're, we're very set up like a microbrewery. We have a tasting station. We're happy to give you a free cup of coffee like you would with, you know, you go to microbrewery, you get a sample, same idea, and then walk away with a six pack of coffee, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're set up very much like that. And we, we, I don't want to just sell you a pound of coffee. That doesn't do us any good. We're trying to build a relationship and offering uh, training on how you can use equipment you buy is, is critically important uh, for our customer base. And hopefully they may need, you know, they remain a customer of ours, but if they moved on to another roaster, that that's great too, as long as we've helped them on their coffee journey. Awesome. So you seem to have successfully expanded your business and clientele in a pretty short amount of time, a few years. Um, do you have any advice for new roasters out there who wish to do the same? I had done a, uh, uh, like an entrepreneur thing with OBJ a couple of years ago or two years ago, I guess when I launched. And I think it kind of remains the same that, I think it's going to be hard for anybody to to build a successful roasting business if they're only doing it part time out of their garage. There has to be a point in time where you have to, you know, own that entrepreneur spirit and just say, "Well, I'm in this thing, and let's make it kind of happen." Um, you know, I, I think otherwise you're, you'll always just be kind of a, a macro roaster, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if if your goal is to be uh, a, a coffee roaster, a, a, you know, a professional coffee roastery that you're doing commercial business, uh, you, you got to have to kind of resign yourself to, to jumping into the business kind of full time. And then do a lot of research on what you're trying to target, I think is the other part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to say that I just want to do third wave coffee, but there's everybody doing that. So, so what is it that you're trying to target specifically, right? Are you trying to be the best cafe partner out there? That's great. Are you trying to be, you know, the best coffee roaster sourcing direct trade beans from from somebody? Then that's great too. you know, work on that. Um, As I guess I hope has become apparent with us. I think we do really good coffee, but what I think we maybe do better than most is we're very approachable and we're trying to train everybody on how to make the best of the coffee they have. So that's, that's our approach. And I think it's been working pretty well. I think we have a, a pretty good customer base that, would speak to that. Um, and, and I think all we're going to do is continue to rinse and repeat that and, uh, you know, get more and more, uh, more of our sort of, you know, VIP customers that, that enjoy what we're up to in our approach. That's great. I, I think the education component training component is so important because how else are people general public supposed to know? Right. Um, so I uh, thank you both for, again, for joining us today. Um, before we let you go, can you let people know where they can learn more about Brown Bag and where they can buy your beans? Um, well, yeah, we're, we're, super, we're, we're super present online. Uh, so our website is probably the best place to, to, to have a look at everything. Um, and then the socials, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but uh, best would be to just come visit the shop. We're pretty, um, we're pretty clued up when it comes to all the safety precautions that need to happen. We've got a big open space as well. So there's lots of room for six feet separation. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, we do curbside um, pickup, local delivery, if you're in a certain radius from the roastery, um, or just, you know, $5 flat rate shipping fee all through Canada, um, and free shipping over $39. Um, so yeah, I guess best place would be just to come see us at the roastery. We, we'd love to have you. Just to add to that, though, like we, we are built on our wholesale partnerships. So, you know, please go to our website, check our locations area yeah. and see our different cafe and restaurant partners. You know, I know a lot of them are closed right now or are operating at, at, you know, half rate or whatever. But if you can support our cafe partners, mm -hmm. please do that first. Most of them sell our coffee bags as well. Um, if you're interested in picking up some coffee, they'd happily serve you an amazing coffee and sell you a bag. But if that's not convenient for you, then please, everything that, that Christian has said, do so. Uh, but if you can visit one of our cafe partners, please do that first. Thank you so much for listening. Our podcast is available on our website at ottawacoffeefest.ca. Tell your friends and share the love. Je m'appelle Jen et nous sommes les cafés. My name is Mel and we're the Coffee Gals. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode coming out in a few weeks. Until then, keep supporting your local roasters and coffee shops. Thank you.